The Retro Lounge is a look back into the archives of the Recruiters Lounge podcast with Jim Stroud and Karen Matinen. The Recruiters Lounge podcast posted weekly between the years of 2005 and 2010. With energy, wit, and opposite points of view, <laughs> Jim Stroud and Karen Madden discussed, debated, and squabbled like children over HR issues that affected the workplace and society overall for the benefit of all who would listen. This episode of the Recruiter's Lounge originally aired on February 24th, 2007, and this was the original title. Uh, happy 50th episode, more or less. Uh, And this was the original description. Jim Stroud and Karen Madden discussed slick recruiting tricks performed by Google, Microsoft, and others. Y2K 2007, are you ready for it? Recruiting pet peeves, distributed workforces, and did you know that this is our 50th podcast anniversary? Well, neither did we. Find out what we said way back when, uh, specifically February 24th, 2007, right after this special message. Critical race theory supports the logic that all whites are born racist and oppressors by nature. They are to be viewed as a collective threat to non-white people and beyond redemption. This sentiment is already infecting the American workplace via racial sensitivity and diversity trainings. Despite the obvious controversy, such trainings are being accepted as just and fair and at an alarming pace across corporate America. Racism Reimagined How Critical Race Theory Imperils the American Workplace is an ebook that I wrote. In it, I do three things. One, I explain the basics of critical race theory. Two, I demonstrate how critical race theory is negatively affecting the American workplace. And three, I hope, <laughs> I hope, <laughs> I inspire a resistance to critical race theory being taught in the workplace. In light of the increased sensitivity to recent events like the George Floyd protests, the emergence of cancel culture, and the pressures on corporations to adhere to political correctness, the information in my ebook, Racism Reimagined, How Critical Race Theory Imperils the American Workplace, is a counterbalance that should be carefully considered prior to new investments in diversity training. Racism Reimagined, How Critical Race Theory Imperils the American Workplace is a free resource that can be downloaded and, by all means, shared with those in your network. A download link is available in the podcast description. Innovative audio on demand. Hi, I'm Jim Stroud. Welcome to the Recruiter's Loud. The Recruiter's Lounge is a podcast of news, interviews, and commentary on the recruiting industry, and it was designed with you in mind. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the Recruiter's Lounge. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting episode of the Recruiter's Lounge. But first, a word from our sponsor. Bounty Jobs. The new frontier of recruiting is a friend to recruiters and employers alike. As an online marketplace, Bounty Jobs helps employers find talent effectively, faster, and without bruising the bottom line. For recruiters, it's a way to alleviate business development hassles while earning more money and building your reputation at the same time. 
Now, I like Bounty Jobs because it is easy to use. Delivers top clientele with no upfront fees to use its service. Simply put, when a placement is made, a modest percentage of the fee goes to Bounty Jobs with the majority of the fees going to you, the recruiter. It's the kind of win-win deal that is hard to walk away from, but hey, see for yourself. Find Bounty Jobs online at www.bountyjobs.com. That's www.b-o-u-n-t-y-j-o-b-s.com. Right now, millions of people are looking for a job on the internet. Did you know that this industry is a multi-billion dollar market? Did you know that employers pay huge upfront fees to advertise a job? No more. Work Giant is a new company with a new way of doing business, bringing job seekers and employers together like never before. Find out how you can get your share of millions of dollars worth of commissions. Register now for the opportunity of a lifetime. Work Giant, bringing the power back to the people. Hello and welcome once again to another exciting, action-packed episode of the Recruiter's Lounge. I'm your host, Jim Stroud, and sitting with me in the lounge chair... As smart and lovely as always is Karen Madden. How are you, Karen? You are so good for my ego. Hi, <laughs> you like that? I like that. Ah, that's a secret. That's a secret, guys. Flattery. It's a secret. It is. I'm telling you. Your wife did you well. <laughs> <laughs> she trained me well. Yes, she, she did. did. Uh, I was flipping through the paper today. I want to I talk, talk about this with you. Uh, when I saw this article, I thought, hmm, what a um, pretty slick way to recruit. Um, I came across this article about Google, uh, one of my old clients, and they're doing something that I thought was pretty cool. Uh, one of their engineers is taking a leave of absence of some sort, uh, if I remember the story correctly, from uh, Google, and they are going over to the University of Washington to create a uh, software programming class. The class is called How to Program uh, Software the Google Way, I believe. That's, that's what it's titled. Um, and so what I thought was really slick about this is that uh, here this guy is uh, for Google training engineers before they graduate how to uh, program software according to Google. So once they have uh, graduated from school, what is one of the first places they would be curious about working? Of course, Google. I thought it was a pretty nice idea because you get, them, you get the fruit before it falls off the tree, and when it's ripe, it's, it's ready to uh, come on over, I'd imagine. What do you think of that? I think, like, wow, that is innovative, that is smart, that is amazing. I mean, seriously, what better way not just to get your name recognition out there, but to also train people to use your own product? Yep. That's pretty amazing. Smart. That's pretty, pretty smart. smart. Yeah, pretty smart. I was wondering if there are any other um, really slick recruiting ideas like that out there. And... um didn't you talk about one not so long ago, like I think it was, uh, I can't remember the name of the company, but they were having a problem finding people? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Jerry Crispin, I was talking with him actually the other day. We were, we were hanging out uh, for a brief moment, and um, he was going over different uh, recruiting ideas and, and so forth. And he mentioned uh, to me about this company that was something to do with the energy industry. I'm not sure what it was, but something to do in the energy field. And where they had to recruit, there was, like, no skilled labor out there anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and that's no small exaggeration for the, that fit their need. And because of where the location was, sort of remote, 
uh, it was very difficult to get people to relocate out there. So what they did was uh, they made a deal with a community college and said, we want to create this program um, uh, that will train people how to do this particular function for us. Mm-hmm. And we also want to uh, pay people, you know, X amount of dollars to take this training. Now, once you take this training and once you've scored um, a certain you know, have an A average or B average or what have you. Uh, once you've graduated from the course with a high score, you're guaranteed a job. Wow. I said, man, that that is creative thinking. It really is. I mean, you know, because I'm in an industry that is, you know, pretty hard to get good people in, okay? I mean, it's like very, you know, people don't know much about HVAC, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning, okay? Mm-hmm. And it's very challenging to find good people. And I know for that uh, not too long ago, this industry also decided, you know, and it's also very unionized, okay? And mm-hmm. The only great training that many people would know automatically to do is to go to the union. And so some of the companies came together and created some schools throughout the United States to also help provide the education for the technicians and the install. But I think it's a very ingenious thing to help pay people to come to school hey, and we'll teach you what we need you to know, and not only that, you'll come to our company to work. That is so creative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is a creative way to recruit. So another recruitive way, excuse me, creative way, I'll get my, my tongue towards it here. Another creative way to um, really promote your company and recruit sort of under the radar is to promote the culture because if you think about it, um, certain jobs can be done anywhere. The only thing that's really different is is the people who work there and the culture of the company. Absolutely. And uh, one thing that I, I really, really like that I noticed, um, actually it's, it's done over at Microsoft. They have a um, a site where they, uh, they're promoting their game studio, where they make games for the Xbox. Mm-hmm. And if you go to this particular site, and I'll put a link to it from, from the, um, the blog post, but you go to the site and you click on the link and you play a game. You can actually upload your picture and um, put yourself in the game, and you sort of, uh, how it works is you put yourself in a chair, mm-hmm. and then someone else is behind you in another chair. Of course, that's a picture of a friend of yours. Um, and you, you're running with the chair, and then um, you stop, and then you propel the person in the chair in the air over a series of cubicles. And then the goal of the game is to uh, sort of be flung from the chair over so many cubicles um, further than whoever you're playing against. <laughs> it's just, that is funny. No, it's really funny. But no, do people, if people win, does Microsoft look at that and go, "Wow, we want that person on board"? Well, you know what? They do something even better than that because what happens is you're playing this game, you're having fun, um, you're getting other friends of yours to join in and say, "Look, check this out. Look at this game. Play with it." Um, as you're playing on the game, you're, you're learning a little bit about Microsoft. You have links to apply to jobs and learn more about the company. Wow. You know, so it's not a forced uh, promotion in your face kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, you're there, you're having fun. You know, while you're having fun, you look over there. Oh, it's a career section. Oh, it's a job thing. Let me just sort of look at it because a lot of people don't, for some reason, um, have a negative view of Microsoft no, in terms not. of it. Uh, not being a place of innovation and a place of coolness, and um, they have a lot of lot of good things there that I, that I've seen. Some I can't talk about, but some I've seen is pretty cool. You know, and that's kind of interesting too because you guys were pretty innovative. Because recently, I had noticed some uh, an article where they were talking about how companies were providing little quizzes online, mm-hmm. and little you know people could solve the puzzles. 
and how well they did at them, they automatically said, well, no, emails, we want you to come on board and work with us. Mm-hmm. Well, I know Microsoft did something like that with a guy named Rob McIntosh. He did uh-huh. Find My Dog when he was <laughs> for recruiters. Yes. And yes. then you did something, too, for the fun of it just recently as well. Yeah, I um, put up a – I totally ripped Rob off. <laughs> just to put it out no, there. No, you harder. Well, well, okay. Okay, I'm embarrassed to say this. I know this guy. I know him well. I love him to death, but right now he and I are not always in speaking <laughs> terms. I have called him up to yell at him at a couple of times. I have been searching for this dog for quite some time, so obviously I am not an internet search guru as I thought I was. Let me let me explain to people um, what what you're talking about. Okay. Uh, for, for those who don't know, on my site, uh, well actually let me sort of backtrack a little bit. Rob McIntosh, who who was uh, running research, um, have a blank for recruiting. Yeah, for recruiting at Microsoft, and um, he put out a challenge to recruiters and researchers and whosoever will. Um, to find the name of his uh, of his dog, and he put it somewhere on the internet, and he gave you a few clues, and you had to go out and find it. And um, the people who found the dog um, sparked his interest as a potential candidate for Microsoft. And I was one of those people who found the dog, and that's how we sort of got connected in a sense uh, over that contest and through a connection, um, um, mutual connection of ours. So. Um, and now I want to say to but you know, Jen did a competition. I like to interject her. Okay. And it's not in the source codes, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Jim, I had to say that. I was just because I'm so frustrated, okay? Mm. Are you mad at me? No, go ahead. Are you mad at me? No, 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 no. I, well, you actually have that on your paperwork. Actually, on your clues, it's not in the source codes. And the Bob <laughs> thing. You do have that there. But I, I searched every source code. I've done everything I could, and I swear, that thing has been a – and I've heard people found it in 15 minutes, and I'm like, okay, they were just lucky. Well, you know, I told you you had to talk to um, the research goddess herself, Amy Beth Hale. Yes. Because she's in the um, the Lucky 13 uh, I posted the first 13 people to actually crack the code. The baker doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Amy Beth Hale, uh, to her credit, was among the few to find it in a pretty quick amount of time. Well, she's good, though, so I won't say she's lucky because she really is good at this internet. Well, stuff. she is the research goddess. She, she is really the is. Goddess. So, I mean, I'm just kind of like, I'm like, I'm really frustrated. So I've given up. I just, I literally have given up after spending. How many hours did I spend on that? I, I don't know. You do know because I, I was budgeting. Well, I don't. I don't want to embarrass you by saying, but it was quite a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> it is embarrassing. At least I'm being honest about it. <laughs> I hang my head with shame. Okay. You know what? You need to. You need to. Uh, if you're gonna find it, find it um, before um, the new Y2K kicks in. Oh, the Y2K thing. Yeah, you would tell me about that. Tell the people what you're talking about. I think I'm post. I'm definitely going to post about it on my blog. But um, mention to the people, the good people listening, what uh, the Y2K, I guess, 2.0. It's called Y2K 2007. And what it is, I mean, I'm and I'm pretty darn good at computers. I really, really am. Okay, I can fix them, and you know that too. I'm really good at trying to fix this stuff in there. Well. So I'm usually up to date with all these new things that are coming out. Right. Well, a lot of people, for some reason, like to turn off the automatic updates on their computer. It's not a good idea, and let me explain why. Mm. And the government decided to help save energy and gas resources from the oils and et cetera. They decided to go ahead and turn back the clock. I think it's like three or four weeks earlier than it's supposed to be. 
So March 11th is going to be, actually gets to spring forward, they're going to be, we're going to have daylight saving time earlier. And unfortunately, though, they didn't consult with the Internet companies or the IT companies and the Microsofts of the world and say, Apple or Microsoft, what should we do? Should we not do this or should we do this? They just went ahead and voted on it, and everybody was, yay, no problem. We're going to save billions of dollars per you know, day, actually, because mm-hmm. of this. Well, ha, unfortunately, that means, though, your clock in your computer is not going to turn back automatically like it's supposed to. The clock in your computer is set to turn back on the programmed date for, you know, daylight savings time. Should I be overly concerned about this? Is my computer going to blow up or well, something? Or they're not sure. I mean, Should uh, I rent a bomb shelter and stock it full of food? That's what people <laughs> did the first round. They said that they don't think it might be. They're using the words might, okay? They said they don't think it's going to be as might be as bad as, um, 2007, um, you know, 2000 was Y2K, mm-hmm. but it, they said that there's going to be some problems. Now, people who depend on Outlook, for example, anybody who de- depends on programs that are time-related or time-based, mm-hmm. they're the ones who are going to have more issues. Anybody who has um, programs for scheduling, Outlook, for example, Outlook's going to be really chaotic if you don't download the patch. Microsoft does have a patch. I know IBM's supposed to have one as well, too. But Microsoft has put out a patch, okay? Okay, we'll link to that. I think we're losing people because we're getting too far away from recruiting. Well, not really because we can't live without our computers as recruiters. Ah, that's a good point. Now, what did we do before the computers came along? Are we going to have to go back to the fax machine and the roller quarters? You know, I don't know. But my my thing is, I know the patch is there for software. Is there a patch for – do we have to have an issue with hardware, with the computer? You know, I don't know. I think that's a different podcast. That's a different one. Okay. But, yeah, but <laughs> everybody, all I want to say, everybody who's turned off, let me just close with this because I know you want, I want to say something here about, for about right. Jimbo here. Um, but everybody who has turned off their automatic updates, please go to Microsoft's update site and download that patch immediately. All righty then. And I want to say something else, too. Mm. Isn't Don't you have something very special to tell the world? Very special to tell the world. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let me think about it. Yes, I think there is. I was looking at the archives of the different podcasts we've done mm-hmm. um, over the ages, and I see that we've passed the 50th mark. So we've Happy had, birthday. That's right. It's sort of a 50th anniversary, podcast anniversary. I don't know what that is in podcast years, but uh, we've had over 50 different podcasts. Um, we just were doing so many of them that we sort of lost count and we didn't really celebrate like we should have. So although this is, this is probably podcast number 52 or 53, we're going to say it's the 50th podcast. So happy 50th podcast day. We have to have it a silver anniversary birthday thing, right? Yeah, we should. Yeah, we, we have to. We're going to have a lot. Um, by the way, can we have fireworks too? That's right. Well, maybe we'll stick in some some, some uh, special effects fireworks or something if I can find it. We'll put it in at the end of, of this podcast if I found it. If I don't find it, it won't be there, but hopefully <laughs> no, you will find now, it. Now, what special things are you going to do for this? Well, um, special thing I'm going to do for this. You know, I I don't know. Just uh, Initially, I'm thinking just more guests and, and more uh, interesting topics. Um, not really sure. Suggestions? That would be absolutely fun. More guests and more topics? Yes. More interesting <laughs> topics. Can we get more controversial, please? Yes, 
yes, yes. But I wanted to say something, just to digress a little bit, I want to say something more recruiting-related because we sort of veered off of it a little bit, and okay. I do want people to realize this is a show for recruiters and, and researchers and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you were featured in a important newsletter called the Employee Recruitment and Retention Newsletter. Yes, you, I was. Yes, you were. I, yes. I read it. See, I found it. See, I have time to read things here and there. So was a few of our friends. That's right. Yes, that's right. I know that Gretchen Lutgaard was, was quoted in there, so was Zoe Goldring. And really Jim good Durbin. People. And Jim Durbin, all good people, all good Very people. If you have a chance people. to work with Job Syntax, love them, jobsyntax.com, mm-hmm. check out their website, check them out, check out Jim Durbin. And um, I have a link up to his site on, on the blog post as well. Also a great guy to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting back to something that you, that you said, you, you had a pet peeve, and that's pretty much what they quoted you on, it, as well as, as Jim and, and Gretchen and Zoe, was on different pet peeves that recruiters have uh, about the industry. And, w- and what was your biggest pet peeve? Well, without naming any companies, my biggest pet peeve are companies who consistently push for education and, you know, they overqualify. I mean, it's like focus on your needs and not what you want. Hmm. You know, I you see great candidates being turned away because they didn't lack, they lacked a bachelor's degree or they lacked some kind of a degree. And I look at that and, you know, first off, I kind of think, you know, are you kind of crossing the line here? Because this could be kind of an EEOC issue here, too. If, if your education is uh, requested but not required for that position? Well, yes. I mean, I mean isn't that sort of, I mean, that's a slippery slope. I mean, how can you measure how much education is actually needed well, versus what, It goes by what they do, The what this customer and how the OFCCP and EOC says, it's based by industry standards. Mm. So, for example, if you see a company that I mentioned in this article, like um, ask, for example, a bachelor's degree for a secretary or receptionist, Hmm. You know, that's a little bit extreme. And then also when they ask for Ivy League schools, oh, geez, okay. So, like, I look at this and I go, okay, who are you cutting out here? What people are you trying to, you know, who are you trying to target? Because it's obviously not going to be someone like myself. Or now, why Title Seven can fit into this is a lot of people don't realize that a tremendous number of minorities and women Mm-hmm. Especially single women who are married, women who are married and had kids, especially, do not have degrees. They earned their stripes the hard way. Hmm. So they worked hard, took a long time to gain the experience, but they have the experience. Well, when a company comes in and says, "Well, we demand that you must have a degree," you're also misclass. You're, you're not. You're. you're, you're you're throwing away good candidates, one thing. But two, you also got to look at another situation and scenario. Do you know that only 25% of baby boomers graduated from college? I didn't know that. Only 25%. So now what you're also doing is you're also discriminating. It's not just Title Seven, but there's also age discrimination going on here. Hmm. See, these are ways that sometimes companies use to actually go ahead and discriminate. Now, I know that's a big issue over in the U.K. I was talking to uh, Louise Trant in mm-hmm. uh, an earlier podcast, uh, who's my, my buddy over there in the U.K. Hello, Louise. Hope you're listening. Hi, Louise. Uh, <laughs> well, we talked um, for for a little bit um, offline and, and, and online for, for a brief moment about uh, age discrimination issues um, becoming 
prevalent or at least uh, discussed a bit more over in the U.K. So I'm wondering if that's just a precursor of things to come, especially as um, as the labor market changes. But, you know, I'm starting to wonder, maybe it won't be such an issue of age discrimination because they keep saying about um, the coming labor shortage. You know? Ah, don't you know? start me up. I know, I know, I know. Don't get started on that. But what I'm thinking is that for some industries and for some cases where they don't have adequate workers, with, with workers with adequate skill set, they'll just um, keep people on longer or people will opt to stay on longer. Because well, I think a lot of people prefer to work than to retire, actually. Yeah, actually, yeah, because and, and 88% of uh, baby boomers said they weren't going to retire, quoted yeah. by AARP. Right. Yeah, you know, when I, when I get up there, I don't think I'll ever retire. Cause no, I, I want to tell I think, you I mean, I may not always work in the sense of the way I'm working now, but uh, just sit around in a room and, and eat bonbons and watch TV all day, I, I can't see it. Now, let me go ahead and interject something here, too, that's very interesting. I was reading an article, this is about recruiting, right? Right. And there was an article about, you know, the boomerang kids. Mm -hmm. And what was really quite interesting? The slackers. Yeah, the slackers. (laughs) They're better known. You know, they keep coming back home. Well, okay, so you had the baby boomers, which was one of the biggest massive population, right? Right, right. Then came along us middle generation. What do we call the X? Generation X. Right. So X comes along. Right. And... You know what? There's not as big of a generation. We're pretty small. But do you know that Generation Y, these boomerang kids, actually are larger in population than the baby boomers? Um, I couldn't huh. believe that when I was reading it. Well, I was reading about uh, the boomerang. Well, it doesn't really surprise me too much because I, I know there's like a, I'm going to call it, epi- well, I know there are a lot of, um, what's, the word, what's the right word here, mixed family units out there. Well, one of the reasons, too, think about this, okay? The baby, you know, we were the Latsky kids. Right. Okay, we were the families who... Oh, hold on. Let me let me, let me clarify what I said about mixed families in case someone thinks it's a, it's a racial invective or something. I'm talking about there are a lot of single-parent households. Absolutely. You know, is, is, what, is what I refer to when I say People mixed People getting remarried and everything else. Exactly. And ex- right. extend, actually, the word I was looking for is extended family. Extend. That's a good word. That's the word I was looking for. So now, go ahead. going back to this. Okay. Okay. We're the latchkey kids. Here are mm. these families. You know, our parents, they were so focused on work. The mom and the dad going out and working all the time, right? All right. So then we come out and we say, "Oh, latchkey. We don't want our kids to be like latchkey kids." But then we become the protective parents. Okay. We're the ones who came out with the big signs that said "baby on board." Those kind of hmm. things. Okay. This is right. from the article, so I'm quote, kind of quoting it loosely yeah. in my memory because I was reading it this morning. All right. But what was really, really quite interesting and quite bizarre about all of this is that, you know, for some reason we were busy parents because we created a lot more kids than our parents did. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. But I think think the early generation was just a little bit more smarter with their planned parenthood techniques. Well, you know, but the thing is we've over-mothered and we've over-fathered. It's like they were saying in this article, quite interesting, too. We're Mm. the generation where the parents would be going into the college and telling the the advisor, the principals and the advisors and the teachers, this grade is wrong. You must change it. We are involved in how the kids sign up for school. Right. There are mothers who literally will call into companies and say why the company should hire this person, their kid. You know, I've seen – actually, I wrote an article about that on collegerecruiter.com. You did write one? No, 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 I read 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 one, one, yeah, on collegerecruiter.com about that very issue. Well, that's the reason these kids have become such boomerang. They said, well, that and the economy, right, for sure – but we have created kids who are actually, I and mean, we've actually pampered the heck out of them. Mm. Um, so we've created this 
this monstrosity where these kids are having a hard time growing up. In fact, they said that the average kid nowadays, you know, when we were able to mature by 26 was the average age, they're saying these kids are not going to be mature adults until their 30s. Well, let me ask you this, too, because this just sort of brings about a recruiting conundrum. Um, as the, uh, true or not, labor shortage comes about. Yes. I mean, I'm like, when are they all going to just go ahead in 20 years? I mean, one year they're going to all retire at the same time. Go ahead. Well, no, well, you know, uh, it's going to be for a fair amount of people retiring, but I'm wondering is. Over 20-year period. But, but I'm wondering is that um, the recruiting issues that people are concerned about, uh, are they going to still be there but in a different fashion? For example, instead of trying to find people because there aren't that many skills out there, could it be that because of this younger generation who sort of rebel against authority or who aren't as mature, well, they just say, you know, forget the system. We'll start our own business, and we'll cater to our own culture and mindset. Well, that's you know? what we did. Yeah, I know, and I'm thinking that every generation sort of does that. You so know, is exactly. the labor shortage? So is the labor shortage going to be not that we can't necessarily find people, but that we can't find people who want to work for uh, an organization that they themselves did not start? Well, I think that what's going to have to happen first off, and I think that's what we're seeing push more for is that companies are going to have to become more employee-friendly. That's the first thing. Right. And number two will be that these a lot of the baby boomers will be staying on, maybe in a part-time role, on a full-time role, whatever, but they'll be coming in more as mentors to help guide these young kids who didn't have a tremendous amount of discipline and guidance from their own parents, but to teach them how to be better workers and be more mature and help them get better work habits. I don't think that these these kids are still young enough that we'd be able to mold them and guide them. And I think that they're going to be very pliable because they're coming into the world kind of confused, but we're going to be there to help them. I think they're a little bit going to be more pliable, actually, than our generation is. You know, I think this is a buzzword you're going to hear a lot more in the future. You heard it here first. Pliable? Did- Distributed workforce. Distributed workforce. You're going to see a lot. But I, read, I, I posted an article actually on my blog the other day about, um, it said, the, the post I put up said, India, help wanted. Really, really, really wanted. Because even though people say, you know, India has all the jobs, but they're having trouble finding talent too. Mm-hmm. Because everyone is there now, um, have created um, development centers or established businesses over there or established some sort of presence in India, it used to be in the article um, I, I posted on my blog. It talked about how at one point it used to be you just go to the top schools and get the people with the best grades and you're good to go. Now they're trying to go beyond the, the top tier schools, but some of the schools that may be um, maybe second level, if not mm-hmm. first level, but they're still out smart. there. And they're going out and even going as far as talking to high school students before they even go into college. Well, you, you know, know which is which is smart too. And I because I know in Taiwan they they they're really big on that. They'll send uh, ambassadors to the schools and put on a show and get real people hyped to go to a particular high school. And you think about the pressure of getting to the right college. Imagine being an adolescent trying to get into the right high school. It could be overwhelming, I'd imagine. Well, you know, the thing about it, why do you think so many people come here and then leave and go back? I mean, we used to have people not wanting to leave, okay? Right. Now it's kind of interesting because now they're going back to India because they're going to have a better lifestyle. They'll have to have a cost, better cost of living. Well, you know, I, I've, I've seen two different viewpoints on that. I have seen people who come to the States and then they repatriate back to their, to their country mm-hmm. of origin. Um, but, then I've, but usually when I've seen that, it's because they have family members 
Mm-hmm. They want and have family ties of some sort, and that sort of facilitates them going back. But I've also seen it where people have come over and said, you know what, I like it over here better. You know, and I'm I'm a person who came to America, and I liked it enough to stay too. You know, I mean, right. it has, but there's times too, and I look and I think how expensive it is here compared to certain other areas. But there was a comment you made that made me think about something else too. Mm. Regarding the talent shortage, and I think it was a Doug Beepow who mentioned this to me. We were talking about this talent shortage, and he said to me, with all the people that China has living there, right. that all want to come to live here, they have hundreds of millions of people, right? Yep. And highly educated. Yep. We'll never be lacking of a workforce. Hmm. That goes I mean, back to distributed workforce. Absolutely. The you know when you think about it, I mean, there's I get resumes every day from people from England, Australia, right. India. You right. get them all the time too, I'm sure. Yep. Everybody yep. wants to come and live in America. It is the land that is paved with gold. Believe me, I actually believed that when I was a kid. Hmm. I grew up knowing that this was where I wanted to live. Starsky and Hutch, oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> Starsky and Hutch? Miami Vice, do uh, Well, I mean, Vice, I can go with you. I wasn't a big fan of Starsky and Hutch. Oh, but. I used to love those guys, okay? Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was what I wanted to do. I mean, I wanted to be in America because of these kind of lives. I mean, I used to look at that. That's America. I never knew which one was Starsky and which one was Hutch. Is, 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 oh, I, you had to do that. I never. I was like, well, which one is the which? Starsky, I believe, was the blonde. Was he? I think so. No, was that Hutch? Oh, don't even ask. See, no, I, I can't remember. See. It's Miami Vice was the one. Miami Vice. That's, that one was easy that's to remember. Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it's always it's been fun. It has been fun. It's always and been happy fun. birthday anniversary. That's right. Happy anniversary to you too. Fifty plus. I, I, you know what? I'll I put am on not the... fifty plus. <laughs> no, but this is uh, the fifty plus podcast. Thank you for clarifying. So, <laughs> so thank you for being here and uh, being with me here in the lounge. Looking forward to doing many, many more shows. And I want to say thank you for having me, Tim. I really Aww. appreciate it. There is not a better person I would like to be around with. <laughs> That's beautiful. Thank you. Oh, oh put I'm me gonna, on the payroll now. I'm gonna cry. Ka-ching. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that'll cost me 20 bucks offline. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's it for the Cruise Lounge. If you have a topic or something you'd like uh, Karen and I to discuss here in the lounge, by all means, drop me an email. I can be reached at Jim Stroud, that's J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D, at JimStroud.com. Also, if you are on the LinkedIn network, uh, feel free to look me up and link to me, and maybe we'll have a cup of coffee, and who knows what could happen. And by the way, we're going to get controversial. Mm. Controversy? That Prince song. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Tim. And oh, I thought you were going to say something. You said we're going to get controversial. I was like, okay, what? We <laughs> have controversial. Oh, that. controversial topics. Okay, okay. All well, right. thanks for having us, having me here today, Tim. I had enjoyed it, and the coffee was great. All right. Until next time, see you guys next, in, or hear you guys next, or at least you'll hear us next <laughs> in the Recruiters Lounge. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for this show. You've been a wonderful audience. If you like what you heard, love what you heard, or <laughs> just plain hate what you just heard, uh, let me know. Your feedback matters. You can reach me through my website at jimstroud.com slash podcast. That's J-I-M-S-T-R-O-U-D dot com slash podcast. So until next time, I'm Jim Stroud, and you're not. Radio, radio, radio Innovative audio on demand. 
And so this ends this edition of the Retro Lounge, home of classic episodes of the Recruiters Lounge podcast. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe now so you don't miss a future episode. Okay, cool. Until next time, bye-bye. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.